as a priest and a religious, this week, the week where our parish grows by 50,000 souls, when students move back onto campus, this week is the closest I, I experience that I can muster in my life to being a father. Because there's this anticipation, there's this excitement. I have a very small part to play in it, but everything changes in a few days. I'm very excited for this coming school year. What a great blessing it is for us to be able to serve not all, all the souls on campus, but especially at six to 8,000 soul, Catholic souls on campus. And to lead as many of them to a life-changing relationship with Christ and His church. At the same time, as, as any father knows, right, the anticipation is also tempered by the reality of it all. And the excitement of these uh, weeks ahead has also led me to think back on my time here, my seven years here, all the challenges and difficulties. And one thing that I feel like I've finally been able to process was the pandemic, especially the early days of the pandemic. In general, we all, I think, are getting to that point where we're able to look back and to really start to assess everything. And as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. But we look back and we see the obvious tragedies, the loss of life, the change of everyone's life for a short or extended period of time. We look back and we, we start to ask the what-ifs and the second-guessing. Well, what if I had done that? What if we had done that? Did we do too much? We, went, we did too much. We start to ask ourselves and, and second-guess all of the decisions we had made in the past in the best way that we could. But not only that, we have to go back and process the feelings of, of helplessness and fear that, in, that, that so pervaded our interactions with other people. I mean, I've not, in my lifetime, I've never sat there with, in a room with people and been afraid, just simply being in a room. In those early days especially, if you remember, Father Dennis had just gone through a stem cell transplant, so he had no immune system. And Father Justice was almost 90 years old. And so there was this feeling of, well, we're still called to serve the people, and yet we have to be, how do we do all of this? And feeling that no matter what we did, there were a number of people who would tell us how horribly we were doing it. And I look back personally, this is just, you know, this is all of us. I look back personally, and it was an incredibly traumatic experience for me. I was a brand new pastor leading a parish that was going through a pretty significant change, and then you face all of the realities. I feel like I got, other than having to deal with a scandal in the parish, thanks be to God that didn't happen, and pray Jesus that that never does happen, but every other conceivable experience as a pastor I went through in about a six-month period, my first six months as a pastor. And again, every decision was second-guessed and questioned and criticized. And it's easy to look back and to say, Jesus, where were you in that? Because in those moments, in those storms and those trials in our lives, we cry out to God, and what is our prayer? Make this stop. But how does Jesus come to us most of the time? Does he make the storm stop? Yes, he does from time to time. But most of the time, how does Jesus come to us? In the midst of the storm. In our brokenness. In the topsy-turvy times. He comes to us not in the force of the storm, but in the love that abides for us. In the first reading from the book of Kings, first book of Kings, we hear the prophet Elijah. Now remember, how did God reveal his presence to the Jewish people in the desert? Through fire, through thunder, through a cloud. And so when those things happened, Elijah 
would have thought this is where God is supposed to be because that's how he's revealed himself in the past. But as we heard, God was not in those things. How did God reveal himself to Elijah? After Elijah allowed himself, chose to persevere in the storm, that gentle, still, small voice of God was made known in his heart and he fell on his face. We hear in the gospel that the sea is tossing the boat of the disciples about. And what does Jesus do? Does he come and say, calm the seas? Does he do all of that? We know in another story in the gospels, he does in fact calm the storm. But what does he do? He walks in the midst of the storm and the turbulent seas and comes to the disciples. You see, brothers and sisters, what Jesus wants is our hearts, is our very lives. And he wants us because of who we are. And he respects the fact that we are free, that we have free will, that we have a choice in all of this. He doesn't want us to come out of fear. He doesn't want us to come because we recognize that he will always do what we want. He wants us because he loves us. And he respects us in that. But he also wants wants to show us that even in the midst of the storm, he is with us. His will is being done. The next four weeks will be the craziest four weeks that we have here at St. Paul Catholic Center. It'll be all all go all the time to try and reach as many students as possible. And thanks be to God for that. In those moments in your life where you've got a million things going on, it can feel as if you are far from God. But God is in the midst of that. Jesus is coming to you in the storm. Open your hearts to that. Look for him and be courageous and bold like St. Peter was in going to Jesus in the midst of that. I don't know about you, but if I saw someone walking on the sea and he said, come to me, I'd think it was a demon or a terror. I don't know if I would have that faith. And yet, what does St. Peter do? He goes. And like you and me, he gets out there and realizes, whoa, this is insane. This is crazy. So what does he do? He stops to trust in the Lord and only trust in his own strength, which isn't enough. But here's God's love for us. He doesn't stop coming. Even when we jump out, even when we make that bold thing, even when we start to sing, who is there for us? God pulling us to himself, loving us, inviting us to a deeper gift of heart, mind, and soul to him, inviting us to a deeper understanding of his love for us. Showing us his love, saving us from our brokenness, calling us to a higher life. And then when we do that repeatedly, we can start to see Jesus in the midst of it all. We heard in that second reading from the letter to the Romans of the anguish on St. Paul's heart for those who are struggling, for those who are suffering. Brothers and sisters, when we are so conformed to the heart of Christ, we start to ache and yearn and desire to be in the midst of the storm with our brothers and sisters. We desire to walk alongside them, not to to pull them out or to save them, but to be with them in the midst of that, to help lead them to Jesus and to help see how even in the midst of brokenness, God is with us. And so this week, we are challenged to look into our own lives. Where are those storms, those fires, those earthquakes, those tornadoes, those things that are beating down upon us that we cannot control? Will we persevere in that? Will we look for Jesus in that? And will we go when he calls? I don't know where you are in your life. I can't read all of your souls. And God help me if I could. That would be a horrible thing. 
I don't know where you are. I don't know where I am half the time. But I know that Jesus is there, walking toward us, because he loves us, because he cares for us, because he did this once in history so that we would know in our own lives, in our own experience, whether it be a pandemic or the personal trials and travails of life, that God is with us, calling us to himself, lifting us up out of our brokenness. And so we are not afraid to jump out of the boat. We are not afraid to run to confession, to ask the Lord for his mercy, to step into that greater faith, because he is with us. He calls us to come, and he calms the storms, not necessarily around us, but in our hearts.